All right, my friends, welcome back to Your Bible, Book by Book. I'm Pastor Luke, and this is the book of First uh, Thessalonians. And First Thessalonians is uh, one of the Pauline epistles, again, uh, meaning that it is a letter written uh, by Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, to the church in Thessalonica. And a little bit of the background for the, uh, the situation of the church in Thessalonica, you got to go back to Acts chapter 17. And in fact, I would uh, highly, highly recommend that um, before you read 1 Thessalonians, um, go back to Acts chapter 17 and read that and, and perhaps chapter 18 as well, because it's going to give you um, one of the best um, positions to be able to understand 1 Thessalonians from. Uh, what happens is that Paul, as he goes into Greece, as he goes into Europe, uh, beginning uh, the ministry, you know, the gospel there. Um, he plants the church in Philippi. Um, then he's jailed. He's beaten and jailed. Um, then he leaves there um, fairly uh, abruptly, uh, Philippi, and goes um, more or less directly to Thessalonica. Um, he And when he's in Thessalonica, he's only there a few weeks. It said he, he goes to the synagogue. He does find a, a Jewish synagogue there. Um, for like three uh, Sabbaths, okay, which is Saturday, okay, their their time of, of worship begins Friday night when the sun goes down, continues through uh, Friday night through Saturday until the sun goes down on Saturday. That's the Jewish Sabbath. So uh, Paul is um, preaching uh, in the synagogue those three Sabbaths. Now, is what's interesting and what uh, people don't always realize is that in these synagogues, uh, they are like little local congregations. There, uh, in order to have a synagogue, there needed to be um, at least ten Jewish men uh, who lived within a Sabbath day's walk of the the synagogue. So uh, that that was a fairly close range. They had to be able to walk to the Sabbath uh, without breaking the Sabbath, or, or walk to the synagogue without breaking the Sabbath. So. Uh, ten men. Uh, so synagogues could pop up um, everywhere. I mean, they could pop up uh, in, in any location as long as they had those um, those credentials. Uh, they needed to have that scenario: uh, ten Jewish men living within a Sabbath day's walk. Um, and so they could be large. There could be a lot of Jewish people in the area, or there it could they could be fairly small. Um, but oftentimes they did not have a trained um, rabbi, a, an educated rabbi. And so they would have a synagogue leader, a ruler, somebody that they basically elected to uh, be in charge of their synagogue, um, but uh, maybe not a trained professional. So what would happen is if there were visiting rabbis, they would often let them preach um, in their or teach in their synagogue because it was kind of a a unique thing for them to have somebody who was trained and educated actually there to uh, expound on the scriptures. And so Paul, as a trained and educated rabbi, he was highly trained. He was very highly educated. He had, he had wonderful credentials. Um, he would basically be able to get his foot in the door anywhere he went in any synagogue because of those credentials and be able to preach. And like uh, it says, for three consecutive Sabbaths, he was given the opportunity to preach. Um, and, and that was not uncommon because if he's going to stick around, they're going to let him um, share and they're going to let him teach. They're going to let him be the one to, uh, to uh, expound on the scriptures. Um, and so anyway, Paul's there for about three weeks. 
uh, three Sabbaths, and he establishes the church. He's proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, and this is basic message that the Old Testament uh, proves and, and validates, confirms that, that the Messiah was going to be someone like Jesus, and then he goes on to explain that Jesus um, was the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecies. And so um, he builds the church there pretty quickly, um, but as quickly um, he begins to be persecuted. And, and what it says is that the Jews were jealous so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. Th- this, this is um, not necessarily Jewish people who are um, disagreeing with Paul theologically um, or biblically. Or, you know, they, they probably don't have the background of knowledge and understanding to um, argue with Paul uh, very effectively. So they go a different route. They try to round up um, some turmoil, some trouble, and get Paul um, in in hot water, and they succeed. So Paul um, is not where they expect him to be, and he um, avoids basically what we might say miraculously or by God's provision or protection. He wasn't where they thought he was going to be when they tried to get him. He wasn't there, um, and he found out about their plot, and he leaves very suddenly. Um, it says in uh, Acts chapter 17, verse uh, 10, that as soon as it was night, the brothers, okay, so Paul has uh, established a church, and the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, and so uh, a town or so over, uh, they they send Paul away to safety, uh, because if he stays, he's, he's going to get himself uh, either jailed or killed, probably killed, because these people are not going by the rules, and they're not going by the laws, they're just a mob looking to harm Paul. Um, And so he leaves pretty suddenly. The church is established very quickly, um, but it it also experiences persecution very quickly. And so he leaves, he goes to Berea, and the Bereans are said to be of more noble character. When they heard uh, about Paul's message, they went and studied the scriptures to see if what he was saying was true or not. Um, And so a church is established there. What's interesting is that we don't have any letters to the Bereans, but we do have two letters to the Thessalonians. So what happens is Paul continues on his journey, goes to Athens, uh, reasons with the people there, wins a few converts, but then he goes on to uh, Corinth, which is southern Greece. It's not uh, far from uh, Athens, but uh, as the crow flies, but he goes there and he he begins to um, build a church there, and he actually stays in Corinth for uh, about a year and a half. And while he's in Corinth, he sends Timothy back to Thessalon- Thessalonica to see how they're doing um, because uh, he had to leave so suddenly. There's a huge concern. So when you go back and you read First Thessalonians, knowing and understanding this, um, th- First Thessalonians is, is written very soon after Paul leaves there. Um, we'll say within a year. Um, at least, maybe a lot sooner than that, maybe within six months. But it's written pretty quickly after Paul leaves there because he's so concerned about uh, the inability to really establish the leaders and to get the church established. And also because the the Thessalonian uh, Jewish folks are, are uh, very uh, angry and they're very much um, looking to persecute Paul, persecute the church and to cause as much trouble as they can. They actually follow Paul when they hear that he's in Berea. They follow him there and try to persecute him there. 
And as you continue to read through Acts, what you find out is that when Paul, years later, goes to Jerusalem, um, it, the, it's some of the Thessalonian uh, people that uh, recognize Paul are there in Jerusalem, and they cause him to be arrested, which causes him ultimately to go to Rome and, and um, to, to experience a, a long um, imprisonment. Uh, so the Thessalonians are, are um, a, on one side, uh, the Jewish people, the, those that are in opposition to Paul and opposition to the gospel, um, are committed to persecuting the church as, as much as they can. With as much energy as they can muster, they're going to persecute the church. The, the Thess- Thessalonian church, um, on the other hand, lives in that kind of a scenario, that situation. And so Paul's writing to them to encourage them um, because this is uh, their, their life. They are living in a, an environment where their faith is being uh, challenged and persecuted on a, a fairly regular basis. Um, and so what that creates um, is some good and some bad. I mean, some, the good of it is that the Thessalonian believers um, have to really dig deep into um, their faith, and they become very solid in, in that sense. Uh, on the other hand, um, what you understand about persecution is that the the issue is not so much that uh, that they are trying to kill Paul or that they're ki- trying to harm or, or destroy or beat um, a person. It, the The real issue, um, if you get down to the the core of it, is silence. Um, it, it's not about harming or persecuting in the sense of jail or, or killing or or, or um, uh, torture, it's really about silencing believers. And so uh, one of the things that I think is a, a great uh, application um, for believers now and, and here and, or in the U.S. or across the world, anywhere you are, is that whenever you sense that um, there is an um, intention to silence you as a believer, um, from speaking the the truth of God's word, from speaking the truth of the gospel about Jesus, to uh, sharing openly your your faith, um, that is in in one definition um, a sense of persecution. Um, whether that's you know, I mean, some people deal with having to um, face uh, real you know jail time. Uh, I, I've known some people who've gone to jail uh, because of their faith. Some people. Uh, put their life on the line um, for their faith. And those there are obviously different levels of persecution. Uh, a lot of places in the U- United States, especially, uh, we don't fear uh, imprisonment for our faith. Um, but uh, there is oftentimes a sense of rejection and a sense of uh, almost ridicule in, at times and places uh, for believing what we believe, practicing what we practice, speaking what we understand and know about God's word. Um, and, and even though that is not anywhere near to the degree that some people face in other parts of the world, it is still a sense of persecution when a believer is effectively silenced, when, when they are um, mocked, ridiculed, marginalized for their faith to the degree that they, they feel and that they uh, cannot speak openly about what they believe, then they have been persecuted. Um, and that persecution uh, it, it needs to be overcome. It needs to be overcome with boldness. It needs to be overcome with 
prayerfulness. It needs to be overcome with um, the willingness to continue to, to be verbal, to be open, to be um, a witness for Jesus, even if uh, you may have uh, rejection or uh, ridicule coming your way. Um, because in these senses, um, where it's not a physical locking down or silencing, it's more of a psychological or mental or emotional uh, s- uh, tactic used by the enemy, um, it still can be equally effective by the enemy to silence Christians. And so believers are encouraged to make sure that they don't give in to that. Paul is basically writing First Thessalonians to encourage the, the believers there not to be silenced, not to allow themselves um, to be quieted in their testimony, in their witness for Jesus, because uh, they need to um, share the hope that the only hope that we have is in Christ. And so uh, Paul is going to, with that in mind, okay, what, what Paul is going to do in First Thessalonians is he is going to, on, in, in every chapter, in, in some chapters several times, but in every chapter he's going to highlight the, the doctrine or the teaching of the return of Christ, that the hope that we have is not that this life is going to be uh, calm, peaceful, pleasant, prosperous, etc., uh, but that the hope that we have is for the next life that Jesus is going to uh, bring about the ultimate justice in the world and, and that there's an ultimate reward for believers. And all believers everywhere have that same hope, that same uh, uh, promise that we know where uh, our real reward is, our real hope is. It's in the next life. Um, and so that should give us the strength and the encouragement we need uh, to deal with whatever we may deal with in this life, whether it's, and Paul talks about it in, in other places, not mes- necessarily Thessalonians, but uh, especially um, in Romans chapter 8, that nothing can separate us from uh, the love of Christ, that neither you know, persecution or, or hardship or nakedness or, or you know, danger from s- warfare or anything else, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Um, but he says also that he's experienced you know, great... Uh, times of blessing and, and some and great times of of uh, of lack of uh, need, um, but he's learned to be content no matter what. And that contentment comes from uh, a sense that no matter what we deal with in life, whether it's plentiful uh, resources or lack of resources, uh, whether it's peace or whether it's uh, turmoil, wh- whatever we experience, that our hope and our joy and our comfort comes from. Uh, knowledge of uh, our relationship with Jesus Christ and our hope of eternal life. Uh, and so on every page, you're going to see in First Thess- Thessalonians um, the hope of the return of Christ uh, talked about. It's going to be highlighted and displayed. Um, and there's going to be a, a just a continual um, drawing back to the uh, need to be strong uh, no matter what we deal with in this life. Um, so Paul was very encouraged because it, it was really is miraculous that the church even started in Thessalon- Thessalonica uh, because of, of how uh, the environment was there. Um, and so when he hears that there's a church that is thriving and they actually are holding fast, they are uh, longing for Paul to return. What we uh, know historically is that uh, Paul did not ever return to uh, Thessalonica. Um, he, I think he wanted to. I think there were um, moments where he, he maybe tried to or would have, would have 
loved to go back to Thessalonica. Uh, Paul was not one to, um, to act out of fear, um, although he was wise, and sometimes he did leave areas in order to uh, spare his, his own life. Um, but uh, he would walk right back into environments sometimes that uh, he'd been persecuted in um, because he was so committed uh, to not only the gospel ministry, but also to the people that he had helped uh, to come to faith, that he wanted to see them grow into maturity. Um, and so he doesn't go back there, but he's encouraged by the church there. And so he's going to do the next best thing. He's going to send Timothy uh, back to uh, Thessalonica with letters uh, to encourage them, train them, teach them, and help them uh, along their path. And so First uh, Thessalonians, full of some fantastic teaching. Um, most of it, uh, again, is going to center around um, the return of Christ, which uh, maybe sounds a little bit like a um, fringe doctrine, I, I don't know, but uh, the reality is that the second coming of Christ um, is one of the most important and frequently mentioned doctrines of the New Testament. One out of 25 verses in the New Testament um, either openly uh, refer to or talk about um, the return of Christ. One out of 25. Uh, so it, it's a very frequently mentioned doctrine, or, or doctrine just means teaching, um, of the New Testament, that Jesus is returning. He will come back to th- this world. He's going to come back personally. He's going to come back bodily. He's going to come back visibly. He's going to come back gloriously. He's going to come back geographically. It says that his feet will touch the Mount of Olives. Um, He's going to come back accompanied by saints and angels. Um, He's going to come back to judge, and he's going to come back to restore. Um, And so the doctrine of uh, the teaching of the return of Christ is central to 1 Thessalonians, but it it is all throughout the New Testament. Um, It just happens that that tends to be the Thessalonians' biggest question and concern and so it's the doctrine that, that Paul uses um, to, to highlight their need to uh, hold fast to their faith, to continue to preach the gospel, um, and, and to be encouraged uh, never to give up. And so that's First Thessalonians, a fantastic book. Again, I encourage you, uh, when you read it, um, make sure that you read Acts chapter 17 alongside of it. Um, that'll help you to understand it much better uh, because it is your Bible, book by book.